I'm Steve Clark and welcome to Brooklands. As ever, thank you for being here and supporting the Trust. Um, my younger brother was on earlier introducing the evening. I believe he made that four years ago. Good God. Um, we've got two superb guests tonight. So will you please give a very warm Brooklyn's welcome to our great friends Steve Parrish and Henry Cole. Have you, had the, have you had the clap before? Sorry. <laughs> is that the first question? <laughs> well, I have actually, question. but... No, no, no. Okay, well, no, we'll move on. It's a um, bit early for Firstly, that. thank you very much indeed, Steve. Uh, yeah, secondly, you, Steve. how nice is it to be proper people without Zooms and Teams and everything else? Yeah, Brilliant. exactly. Thank you for coming out, really. We're back in business again. We um, are back in business. It's really great to see so many people turning out. Um, would you like a water, Henry? Uh... I've got a Diet Coke, oh, look, okay, okay. like that. Hey, look, I'm um, going to take my hat off now because a lot of people think, they stop me in the street and go, they go, is your hat stuck to your hair? <laughs> so when you take your hat off, your hair comes off. Well, are you really heavily bald? No. So look, I no, just, no. And also, can I just make one other thing? Yeah. I don't actually dye it either. Don't you, honestly? People say to me... Hey, so do you dye, dye the beard your... grey then? Yeah. Right, OK. Right, okay. <laughs> As right. the COVID, sorry, I know you're are you supposed to interview me? I'm supposed to be even interviewing you, but if you wish to, re, you know... Can I just say, right, this COVID malarkey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've decided that now we're sort of coming out of it, and luckily, thank God, those people who invented that vaccination, but anyway, mm. I think we've got to grow old disgracefully. I've, I've decided that um, during COVID, OK? Right. Because I think actually over the age of 35, 40, you become invisible. Do you? I have. I don't. You walk think down. So. The street, you don't. People, hmm, the opposite sex, or you, they just don't want to know. They're not interested anymore. Um, so, I, I've done a little bit of research, but are you not married? I am married. She what? doesn't look at me either. Oh really? Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I, I, I pass. I pass her in the corridor, or okay, bedroom, right. And actually, in bed, she. I've got a little dog called Jellybean. She sleeps on my head. Really? Well, sort of about there ish. Right. Yeah. And so there's no. Can we get back to what I think? I was, yeah, I was okay. about to say. Right. I, I, I think so, we, we possibly should, yeah. But I must admit, we, people say when you get old, you lose your memory. But I lost huh? mine when I was about 30 because I forgot I was married. But no. <laughs> That's another story, though, isn't it, mate? It is. We right, could be here a long like, time for that. Like all these events that you and many of you have been to before, we generally start at the beginning because we're not capable of bouncing backwards and forwards and everything else. Henry Cole. Have you got a middle name, by the way? No. Haven't you? My father said a total waste of time. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, and you did actually come from a posh family. Mm. I did, but... Nor it Norfolk, I believe. Yeah, Lord Norfolk. No, nor no nor up Norfolk. It was yeah. top, of, top it was. of Norfolk. I never understood when I went into the uh, village shop, I'd go down on me grifter, yeah, which I had twin headlights on. I'd made this little bracket. Okay. So I had twin headlights on So you had mechanical bicycle. fingers right from an early stage? Yeah, mate, look... Well, or did you have a butler, me, did you have a butler that did that? People say to me, you know, are you technical? I go, why would I be technical? I've got Milliard, yeah. right? And I've got, yeah. I got Sam Lovegrove, you know. My am paid, right, and my passion is to be a twat in a workshop, drink tea, and have a vision that they create, yeah? 
But it does kind of look to me, and I do, my wife watches a lot of Find It, Fix It, Flog It. And I was she? mentioning earlier, yeah. she keeps coming out of things in my barn and everything else. Oh, you can make this because Henry does that, but Henry yeah. does jack shit. I know. All the people around, <laughs> all the people around you do it. Yeah. And, I, I just and when you drink. say you've made a profit of £100, you've I've kind of a, forgot to say that someone was polishing it for about four days. Yeah. No, no. I mean, obviously, we, we exclude the labour. That's the whole point of the okay, show. right. Okay. Right, so consequently, if you found yourself a little box, right, that you wanted to sand back, Steve, right. yeah, and spray it, I don't know, sort of NATO green and put some US stickers on it, yeah. something, which I just right. did yesterday for something, yeah. right? Um, that it's not about really making the money, because you don't. But my, my hourly rate's quite high, so then the box... Yeah, would, yeah but would... to you, mate, yeah, but generally, it's about creating something, saving something, upcycling something. I mean, I don't upcycle. Right, I'm a restorer. Right, okay. Well, I'm not either, I just drink tea. But yeah, but <laughs> I, I purport to be a restorer and I have a passion for British craftsmen and women, you know, and all that kind of caper. Well, and I, I think and we all do. So let's go back. You're yeah. a young lad brought up, oh, no. brought up in a very nice area. You, uh, you, I've read your book and you were a privileged child, I'm I was. to say. Yep, my, um, yep. And you went, you were educated at Eton. I was, yeah. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. with Boris Johnson in your. Yeah, Boris was there. Was he? Mm. Was he? Um, was he very bright? Is, it, is he here tonight? I'll just check in. No. Um, can't see any I didn't. Can I just explain? Right. So I got into Eton as a. Oh my God. Uh, I got into Eton in a, on a bit of a sort of. Um, I can't tell you, right? Backhander. You kind of. I. Um, my father goes right. You're either going to Eton or you can fuck off. <laughs> so I didn't exactly have much of an option. Okay, but uh, you know, try for Eton. Okay. And you and didn't I, have to go through doing exams or anything? Yeah, yeah, I had to do a common entrance. I don't know how I got through that. But the interview was great, right? So I go down, I knock on the door, I go in, right? I sit in front of me, sit down, Kel. Now then, are you, are, do you play sport? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, uh, what, do you, what sport do you play? Uh, I, I play first 11, sir. First 11 cricket, cricket, sir. Open the batting, sir. Little do they know that Beeston Hall School, West Runton, Cromer, Norfolk, there were only eight of us there. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, so he goes, oh, have you found a house? I go, what? Yeah, well, yes. Um, yes, uh, Angelo, sir, down there. He goes, good, well, we'll see you in September. Bye. That was it. That was it. Nowadays, it's all computers and testing and algorithms. I mean, mate, I wouldn't have a prayer. But the problem was, I was in the bottom set for everything, right? And Boris was a king's scholar. He had a cloak and all that kind of stuff. But we used to call him the frozen chicken because he kind of looked like one. Yeah. That was all. I think he still I mean, does. And that's about the only conversation that I ever had with him, which okay. was just trying to explain to him why I called him a frozen chicken. <laughs> well, well, we'll put that at question time. Um, David Cameron was there as well. He was about two years below me. And I used to play in a punk band and spat on people. I think he might have been in the crowd at that time. Oh, okay. mm. But anyway, that's another story. We don't want to get into politics. I just ride bikes and talk shit in a shit. Yeah, but yeah. your life kind of went a bit tits-uppy because you ended up in living in London and yes. unfortunately fell foul of... Um, drugs. Drugs, Is that what you were going to say? Or yeah, have I, I, was, I was going to try and put it in a contraband, like probably, but drugs. Yeah. Um, and, and let's face it, you did very, very well to get out of that period because it was probably easier to stay in it than it is to get out of it. Yeah, do you know what? I mean, I, I do a few talks and things at schools and, you know, the odd prison and that kind of stuff, you know, mm. about drugs. And, and the misnomer is, is that, you know, everyone... You know, like, I've got kids now. Don't take drugs, they're really bad. Well, they're not, they were great. Right. <laughs> And, and, and that's the problem, right? Yeah. The problem is, you know, for me, heroin was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but, 
But. And there's a massive but. Mm. For every amazing high in life, there is always an amazing low. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. And so consequently, heroin addiction is not really a very good place to be. No. But it's not your plan, right? As, as a sort of hip, cool, biker, drug-taking, hopefully wow-with-the-women type person to become a junkie, mm. yeah? Are you it an creeps addictive up on person? You. Hmm? Are you an addictive person? Yes, completely, and, and that's the whole thing. I was born with an addictive personality. Okay. My youngest son is exactly the same. Right. Buy him a football, plays with it five minutes, fucks off, does something else. Right. Can I have something else? Buy him a bicycle. Mm. Bicycle's around the yard for five minutes, goes off, does something else. Charlie, my eldest, totally laid back. Oh, man, do I have to get up yet? You know? And, and so, yes, I do believe addiction is that. But then, if you tailor addiction right, into something positive, mm. look at you. I bet you're an addict when you're racing. Yeah, you I need am, to win. Uh, uh, but but uh, I think you can have an addictive personality, but you've got to have what I call a fuse, something that, that blows before it goes too wrong. Yeah, I never had that. Right, so you needed a lighter fuse fitting or something. Yeah. I did need some kind of 13 amp put right. in. And, and, so and that was Narcotics Anonymous, actually, that sorted me out. Ha was it? Yeah. You actually went along to those meetings? Oh, mate, fuck. Yeah, God. So, <laughs> I... Um, Anyone here tonight been along? No. And it's, it's an anonymous fellowship, right? You can't go anyone in Narcotics Anonymous here. You know, you can't do it. I've chosen to admit that I am an old junkie and went to Narcotics Anonymous. I'm 34 years clean. Right. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't had a drug or a drink. Oh, no. Oh, no. no, and, no. And, and genuinely, he doesn't drink please. alcohol. No, no, nothing. You do have a bit of a puff on your vapour, but other oh, I love that. my vape. I've got it right here. Look, there but, it is. But yeah. other than but that's that, it. Yeah. no other kind nothing. of... Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh. The, thing is, the thing is with addiction, I won't bore you, but it is my sort of bete noir. But with addiction, you, you, you kind of have this kind of obsessive thing where you can't, the minute you start taking drugs or, or, or start drinking alcohol massively, um, you, you stop feeling, okay? So if I feel randy, I'd take a drug. If I felt lonely, I'd take a drug. If I felt melancholy, I'd take a drug. To either suppress it or enhance it, right, yeah? Right. So consequently, I never knew how to deal with feelings as an addict, right? Right. So when you got into it, there are many ways of coming off gear, look, but just for me. Mm. So I go into Narcotics Anonymous and they say, you've got to give up everything. I go, well, fuck off. And mm. I walked off. Mm. I, I didn't go back for nine months. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Eventually, I decided that it might be a good idea to give it another go. Yeah. Mm. Rather than just one meeting. Well, because I was fucked. I was nine stone. I'd lost my business. Can, can, were your parents around at this point? Oh, my God. What did they think of you? Oh, my God. So my father, who always wore a tweed suit and a handlebar moustache, and my mother, who's like a BBC 50s TV presenter, um, God rest her soul, she's in her home at the moment, but she's 94 and she's rocking. Right. Yeah, my father left the track in 1997, actually. Right. When they got but he a... went through this period of yours that <laughs> was not good. God, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a quick... Can I tell you a quick story about it? Yeah. OK, so um, uh, I'm five days clean in Narcotics Anonymous in 1988, August the 21st, 1988. I was about, yeah, seven, oh, no, no, August the 29th. Uh, anyway, first week of September, 1988, I was a week clean, right? And my heroin dealer shopped me, right? So he got me to go and get him some drugs. 
Um, and then he said, oh, can I bring round Mr. Big? You could meet him, because we haven't got any at the moment. I went, yeah, all right. So this guy comes around, but doesn't take any heroin. I think he's very dodgy, this geezer, right? Mm. Turns out he's a Sunday People reporter. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. oh. So this um, uh, bloke, my dealer, called Guy, not, not our guy, not other, guy, other bloke. Not, yeah. not Guy Guy. Uh, not Guy Guy. Um, uh, he, he basically had earned a lot of money for shopping me because the next day, or the next two days, Sunday... Sunday people, front cover, heroin Henry, peddler of death, heroin in Bross household, right? Because oh, Bross, do you remember Bross? Mm. When will I be famous, all that? They lived above me, okay, in this sort And I had all the Brossettes who used to sleep on me patio, yeah? They'd slip letters underneath the patio to me, go, could you take that up to Luke? No. <laughs> oh, come on, it's Matt there. Take it up to Matt, no. Anyway, so they sort of plague me, right? But then there was a bash on the window on Sunday morning, right? And I go, fuck off, let me... You know, I'm a junkie, you know, I'm a nocturnal person. You know, she's waking me up at nine. She goes, Henry, you're in the paper. I went, oh, please, piss off. No, no, you're front page of the paper. <laughs> so anyway, oh, my God, here we go, right? Boys upstairs weren't happy about they, it. They weren't happy no. at all. No. Um, but obviously, the guy had made some money out of me. Anyway... Mm. So I go to the Chelsea bum, so it's my little calf where I'm recovering with all these other people who are sort of trembling and coming, coming down to land. Do you know what I mean? And uh, suddenly the phone goes. I had one of these grey brick mobile phones that you bring out like yeah. this and everyone stopped in those days. Do you have one of them? I did, yeah. yeah. I even got a bigger one. With the yeah, the transportable. Yeah. That was the first one. Well, you were a bit older than me. Yeah. But I... <laughs> so the phone rings. I'll go, um, hello? Uh, hello, father. Now listen, he says on the phone, now listen, have you won a television award or something? I went, not, no, no, not really. He goes, well, mm, your housemaster from Eaton's on the phone, there's press on his lawn. <laughs> right? so, so I go, Father, you need to go and buy the Sunday People newspaper, okay? What's that? <laughs> I'll never forget it. Anyway, so he fucks off into town. I go, well, look, call me back. So I put it down. There's Sarah, who was sitting, obviously, a friend of mine. She goes, how did that go? I went, not very well. <laughs> Phone rings about ten minutes later. Forgive me if I swear a lot on this, but it was my father, and he did use a lot of the C word, which I won't use. No, no, no. But he goes, you fucking idiot. I knew you were a wrong and right from the off. You are a turd. Do you hear me? T-U-R-D, turd. Yeah? You can fuck off. And if you think I'm going to give you the steam off my own shit when I die, you're wrong. <laughs> so that call went even worse. So then um, Sarah went, how did that go? I went... That didn't go well at all. Yeah. <laughs> Ten minutes later, phone rings. It's him again, I think. I say, Sarah, God, here we go. Hello? <clears throat> uh, your mother and I have been talking. <laughs> oh, yeah? We've decided to stand by you. Oh, really? <laughs> have you been drinking? <laughs> so he did, um, amazingly. And, uh, you know, as long as I stayed clean, it would have been all right, which I did do. So anyway, that's... That, that know, was that the was point... It. Because you were already a week into it anyway. I was a week clean oh, anyway, but okay. I didn't want to tell him that because no, no, no. he'd just go... But obviously, you know. father's little cuddle helped. Yeah, and that's, I've got to tell you, there's a guy called Ken German um, who was uh, uh, the car um, uh, motorcycle robbery squad in charge of it at Chalk Farm. And Ken, I'm still in contact today, he's retired. But he rang me because I'd been involved... I had a lot of Jixxers, you know, 1100 slabbies. And... Um, he rang me because I had seen... Oh, it's such a long story. I'd seen two guys nick one of my jigsaws, but I was too stoned. I couldn't really walk. 
So I, I just watched them <laughs> and, and waved them goodbye. They put it in a, in a freezer van because that stopped the alarm. Is that what they do? Oh, they do, yeah. Oh. Well, they did do. I don't know why they still oh. do it. Oh. Put it in the freezer van and off they went. I basically waved to them because, I mean, I couldn't really walk. Yeah, I was looking out the window at them about <laughs> three in the morning. Anyway. So, um, so when did the fascination with motorbikes or vehicles or engines kick in then? Was that pre-not pre knowing who you were? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, I still don't do that. I'm still in therapy for that. But, yeah. Um, uh, do you know what, Steve? It's really weird, actually, because motorcycling, it wasn't the actual art of motorcycling that got me hooked, mm. right? It was what it stood for and what I believed it gave me which was an individualism, a freedom, and a rebellion. That, so when you say what it stood for, it is that kind of... Yeah. Yeah, on your and own. When you rode one, then everything changed again, right. you know, even though my first proper ride was a Honda Melody. Oh, OK. Yeah? yeah. I've got to tell you, my, um, when I was eight, I had this... Um, the other thing I have to admit to you is I'm related to uh, Gladstone, the Prime Minister. I, I do. I do know that, actually. Uh, yeah. He's my great, 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 I don't know, 500 right, okay. greats uncle. Um, but there was also, I had this mad uncle called Uncle Dick Redbeard. Right. Right. He was a, a part of the Gladstone family. Gladstone, yeah. Uncle Dick Redbeard, Gladstone. He lived up in uh, Liverpool, uh, where we all come from. Great place. Yeah. And um, anyway, he... Uh, uh, I was never allowed to talk to him when we used to go out and visit, and that's how I play in the garden. And one day he came out and he goes, are you bored? I went, uh, uh, yes, yes, uncle, yes, a bit, yes. Do you want to see my motorbikes? Oh, well, yeah. And I go into, I never forget it, and I think this is where my love of shed started. I went into this kind of lean-to kind of shed with a corrugated iron roof, rusty corrugated iron roof, right? And there was ivy growing over it. It's right. in the middle of Liverpool. Right. Suburbia had come out and got him all around, yeah? Right. But he had this old rambling old house. I went in there, and there was just this smell that you still get, don't you, of oil, leather, whatever it is, old British bikes. And there were BSAs in there. I don't really remember what the bikes were. No. There were a few flat tankers, I remember. And I just thought, for fuck's sake, this is amazing, man. This is a world that I could... was just so alien from, from me. And I was eight, nine. And then, after that, I kind of got into it and I bicycled down to the village shop, Obby Grifter, you know. I went in there and the woman would go, are you busy? You know, which is hello in Norfolk. All right. I looked at her quizzically, go, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I go, can I have a motorcycle news? And so, motorcycle news, because I was living this posh life, yeah, I was the only kid. My father, you know, with his handlebar moustache and all that, was an antique dealer. My mum was just sort of wandering about a lot. <laughs> no lovely, brothers and sisters? Yeah, no, nothing. Right. I did have a brother, but he died with a hole in the heart. But anyway, that was years ago. Right. Then they waited 18 years for me. Oh. <laughs> Can you imagine I can see how why disappointed you, see why they were? Wasn't happy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I read motorcycle news, and you read motorcycle news, and it just there were a lot of pictures of really long-haired, greasy people urds, you could identify with. Yeah, who obviously smelt. Yeah. Right. And I thought, fuck, I want to be them. <laughs> I want to. I don't want to wear a tweed jacket. You know, I don't. And my father hated anyone with long hair. Right. Yeah, or anything like that. Um, and so Motorcycle News was really my spiritual kind of incentive to grow my love of motorcycle, even though I'd never ridden one, really, right. up until I was about 14, 13. Right. Where did that occur? Uh, my my um, friend Tom Lywood, when we moved down to Winchester from Norfolk, actually, right. that's sort of boring, but, uh, um, his folks had an old folks home, but they were um, uh, little uh, bungalows Chalet. on an estate, right. you know, chalets or whatever. Yeah. 
and I'll never forget it. Tom said, oh, you're into motorcycles, because I hadn't told him that I actually never ride ridden one. one. <laughs> yeah. I went, yeah, 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 I'm into bikes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, well, there's, there's one in the garage, I don't know whose it is. Anyway, I went in, there was this Honda CRSA, I think it was 250, you know those singles, the blue ones? Uh, Years ago, yeah. they were sort of, you know, came out with the Super Dream, but the Super Dream was the twin. And, twin, uh, that was single, yeah. You remember? I got on this thing, he goes, well, you know how to ride, don't you? I went, I managed to push it out, it must have been in neutral. We started somehow, and I don't remember whether it had an electric start or we actually kicked Probably it. It started, and he said, don't you pull that in and press that up or down? So I didn't pull that in, pressed it down, and I went straight through a hedge. <laughs> uh, I got up out of him, I went, Tom, I've got a Mitsui mate, I've never ever ridden one. <laughs> anyway, he said, well, this might be better for you. So uh, we went round and his sister had a Honda Melody, a yellow one with a basket on the front, twist and go. I fucking loved that thing. Uh, I was off, man. I was being Steve Parrish, trying to get me knee down, which I've never succeeded in doing. And uh, that was really the start. Right. <laughs> it was it? really weird, isn't it? But yeah. it was, yeah. you know. I can read it now. Mm. A Honda Melody. It was, yeah. Started my life as motorcycle. It did. Yeah, really. Um, right, so... What about you? What was yours first? My first... I mean, how did you become a bloody racer? Is that oh, quick? Can you no. do that in a paragraph? Serendipity. Just happened to be riding around fields on motorbikes. Went to a pub where there was other motorcyclists. Uh, we didn't want to have a darts team, so we decided we'd have a motorcycle racing team. Really? And because I was the lunatic on the road, they said I could be the rider. Someone else was a mechanic, someone was a paint shop guy, someone else could put tyres on, and that was no. how... No! And they said, well, you better ride it, and that's how it started. Yeah. Really? And I'm now, actually, I'm very pleased to say, I think I should celebrate, I'm now celebrating my 46th year without a proper job. Oh, mate! <laughs> Steve, that's amazing! Thank you. Well, I've got to tell you, I used to watch you, mate. You're a legend, man. Now, well, anyway, that's how I started. But tonight is Henry Cole's night. No, it's, it says Steve Parrish and Henry Cole on here. Oh, yeah, oh fucking hell. What's that? Have you seen that? That's the Honda look at, Melody. Look at that Sam Lovegrove. Yeah, yeah. Look at him. Bless Bloody him. hippie. Bless him. Yeah. But I also <laughs> remember you riding bikes around and... Didn't you crash one at Guildford or something like that? Didn't you? Was it you that had an accident on one? On the A3? Yeah. My Jixxer. Yeah. My first big accident. Was it? Proper accident. Did it hurt? Yeah. Well, well, at this point, are you clean-ish? Uh, no. I'm very, 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 very stoned. Right. Okay. So it didn't mm. hurt? Yeah. Oh, right. It fucking did. All right. So I'm on my Jixxer, the blue and white. Yeah. The dark blue and white. Before it got nicked. Before it got nicked, of which there were five. That's another story. So anyway, I'm coming out on the A3 and I crank it into, there's a sort of, is it le yeah, left-hander when it goes to three lanes going out towards, um, what do they call that place, Oxshot, down there? Yeah. Where Phil Reed used Phil to Reed live. Phil Reed used to live. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Absolutely. Hey, but we hadn't got there yet, <clears> right? So I'm cranked in, chuck it open, right? Whack it up a cog. I come round the corner and I'm doing, well, three figures. I don't know how fast, but I'm going quick. For me, not yeah. for you, but yeah, for yeah. me, right? So I'm coming around. It's a fucking Alsatian in the middle of the road, right? But was there really one? Jesus, man, I need to talk to my therapist about that. <laughs> Perhaps there wasn't. I thought there was, man. And, uh, anyway, so I slammed the brakes on, trying to avoid it. I now know that I should go straight for it because it's going to move. Mm. Yeah? Mm. But I thought I've got to second guess it. Right? Mm. 
So I just slammed everything on, lost it, went down like a sack of shit, yeah, right. and just slid for what I thought was an eternity, mm. yeah, in my leathers. Luckily, for once in my life, I was wearing full leathers, which I never do, right. yeah. And um, I came to a rest by the motorcycle. <laughs> it was a total fucking write-off, right? And I'm just sitting there on the hard shoulder, going, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> and I'm looking around to see, actually, I couldn't see the dog. Perhaps you're right. I think I probably would. Perhaps I was tripping. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, though. So I ran over this rabbit at Didcot Power Station when I was tripping once Mm. in a Triumph Spitfire car, right? So I'm lying, tripping, in the road at three in the morning, holding this rabbit, getting my mate Chaz Smash to reverse over it, right, in the Triumph Spitfire to finish it off because I can't kill it, yeah? Because it's just, like, going to be a really bad man to do that. And suddenly I go, Chaz, 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 Chaz. Oh, hello, officer. <laughs> he goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm trying to run the rabbit over, man. He goes, oh, God, and walks off. <laughs> was it? I don't think he could even handle the idea of the paperwork for that, you know. Charlie, meantime, had run off to have a look at the I'm actually stage. not sure if a triumph spitfire is heavy enough to kill a rabbit. Frankly. Well, this is what I thought. I'd hit it once and it hadn't worked. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we've come through the bad part of your life, I think the bad part of your life, but then you did all of a sudden focus and got involved with camera work. Well, no, that was before, actually. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, I was a a news war cameraman. Right. Um, I I wanted to be in television, uh, but I I, I was a pathetically crap, untalented... Can you imagine? I left Eton, right? Mm. I handed out... With what degrees? Five, ten, fifteen. What do you mean degrees? Huh. Oh yeah, left eaten. What with me knee down? No, you've promised you'll teach me to get I know, my knee but down. You've never come along to an event, so we're going to. In fact, we could do it on the banking. We'll do it later. Well, it's a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit bouncy on the. Right downstairs, I've seen it. Really? No. Okay. Um, uh, so you're, you're, a, you're a news cameraman. I was a news. I started life as a news sound recordist. But where, where, what age are we now? Uh, Eighteen. So you're still in issue. Got issues. Still, I was absolutely out of my head. So, what would happen is I'd go to Northern Ireland or whatever, and I'd stand there like that with a riot going on, right? Oh, no, I'll tell you, with the, with the uh, British football fans, I was in Stuttgart with them, fuck knows why, but I was, yeah? <laughs> and I'd gone to Stuttgart, and I'd taken me heroin in... Oh, it's a Listamint bottle, had methadone in it. Anyway. <laughs> oh, look. And um, so I got my camera like that, and the trick was, with football hooligans, all the other camera crew would go to the main square because that's where they're going to riot. I knew better, because a British football hooligan's weapon of choice is a white plastic chair. Right. right? So I would go to any cafe where there were white plastic chairs and have a cappuccino and wait. Sure enough, here they come. But I would stand there like this, a fucking riot going on where there's Northern Ireland, people lobbing stuff, all this kind of shit. I'm like that. Everyone else is cowering down there, you know? And I'll go, oh, fuck, I don't give a shit. You know? uh-huh. Okay, and then I'd send the footage back, and I'll never forget it, Tony Millett, uh, I said, he'd ring up, he'd go, what the fuck are you doing? i go, well, I don't know, what am I doing? He goes, it's brilliant, give me more of that shit. <laughs> all, right, all right. And so, you know, because I was arsehole, oh. yeah, I didn't care. Oh. Oh. Do you know what I mean? No, I've never got in that stage. No, no, no. be... <laughs> so, so, um, so I started as a news cameraman, and then, um, uh, oh, it just went on and on, really. And then, then I got into documentary, I started my own production company. Ah, yes. All oh, right. Liz Hurley. Oh, why did we talk about her? Well, Do you we... want to talk about her? Yeah. 
all right, what do you want to know? Well, didn't, didn't she, wasn't she in your film? Yeah, mm. she yeah. was. Uh -huh. She's the only fucking good and, thing and about that say, movie. She's, she's the only person that's come out of that still being famous. Everyone else just... Yeah, I basically wrecked everyone else's career, including my own as a movie director. Right. Yeah. What, uh, if, what, you want, if you want to hear very briefly... Mm. So, I had this movie called Mad Dogs and Englishmen, and I directed a lot of TV commercials, a lot of rock and roll stuff, and my business partner at the time, who, God rest his soul, died a couple, couple of weeks ago. Oh um, well, he was 94, he'd done it really oh, right. well. Um, but anyway, he said, oh, dear boy, you must make a movie now. Yeah, because you really are on the cusp, cusp. Uh, all right, Peter, yeah, you, you know about all this shit. Well, let's do it. So anyway, we raised the money for it. I won't bore you how. Father. And, what? Not Father. Not father. Your father. Father? No, he, he wouldn't give away the fucking <laughs> father. <laughs> anyway, so it was called Mad Dogs and Englishmen. And Peter said, oh, well, you must uh, do a script about what you actually know about. Oh, I'll do it on heroin then. <laughs> you know, posh heroin in Chelsea. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> God, <laughs> it's the worst year of my life. Anyway, so um, uh, the casting agent rings up. I'll be brief and goes, I've got this brilliant new actor. I go, who's that? She goes, he's called uh, Ewan McGregor. I went, all right, is he Scottish? She went, <clears throat> yeah. I went, well, that can't be helped, but is he? <laughs> I, said, um, I said, has he done anything? You know, she goes, well, he's just done this film called Shallow Grave, but it's in rough cut at the moment. But nip round Wardle Street, have a look. So I go around and look at it. I think, fuck, this guy's fucking great, man. Mm. And he's a biker, turns yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So he comes yeah. around. We have these lovely chats together. What a, what a fantastic geezer. Mm. Anyway, and then so I ring up Robbie in America, right, the distributor. And I go, look, I've got this guy. He's unknown at the moment called Ewan McGregor. And he's agreed to play Mike in the movie. What the fuck do you want that guy for, man? What, is he Scottish? Huh? Hey, you can't have him. And I go, well, why not? He goes, well, he just does shit. Look, I need someone who does good video in the States, you know, good video, VHS video. Right. You haven't seen Thomas Howell, okay? I'm sending him over now. It was literally like that. Who the fuck is C. Thomas Howell, yeah? Mm -hmm. Well, he turned out to be a total bellend. But anyway, <laughs> um, I shouldn't blame him for my misdemeanor. Anyway, dear Ewan, thank God he didn't get the job. Yeah, we would have right? ruined him. Jesus Christ, I'd have completely fucked his career. Mm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> So lucky for Ewan, and thank God, he went on to train spotting and then the rest is history, obviously, you know. But um, it could have been a completely different story. Anyway, so then we were going to have Patsy Kensit to play the lead. We were going to have Serena Scott Thomas to play the lead. Uh, there were others. Jennifer Ely might have done it. Helena Bonham Carter probably would have told me to piss off, but we thought we might get... Anyway, so then we were like four weeks before shoot and um, Peter goes... Well, we haven't got a clue, have we? We've got a leading lady. Go and see Elizabeth Hurley. She's in this movie called... Uh, I went, Elizabeth who? Anyway. She came in, right, to the office. And we had all these wonderful actresses come in the office. And all the people in the open plan office working away. She walks in. For some reason, they all stop. Right. Yeah, men and women. All stop. Right. You know, and, and she wasn't really famous, right. you know. Anyway, so we got on like a house on fire. And I said to her, look, you, you know, you, you're going to have to... Um, she, she was, you know, a little bit voluptuous. I said, look, you've got to try and lose a little bit, you know, get thin. Awkward, awkward yeah. conversation, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, it wasn't. We had this wonderful relationship. And, and um, uh, anyway, so I said, do you want to... She went, yeah, all right, I'll do it. I went, OK. Uh, I said, well, what you do? And then platonic 
platonically, right, I said, what are you up to tonight? And she goes, um, oh, I'm going to a, a film premiere because uh, my boyfriend's in it. I went, oh, what, four weddings and a funeral? And she goes, yeah, are you going? I went, yeah, I am, actually. So I turn up, right, and she's wore it wearing that dress. Okay. You know, with the safety pins and all that kind of stuff, right? And I'm with my ex-girlfriend who was sort of, well, she thought she was famous in the 80s, called Paula Hamilton. She was from Volkswagen. Mini. Oh, was it my Volkswagen? Volkswagen, yeah, you know, the right. uh, Dear Paula, wild up to the wrong Mars bar. But she, she's adorable. But anyway, so I turn up with Paula, and it's just absolute pandemonium. I can't even get to Elizabeth to congratulate her on her huge success of becoming my leading lady. Yeah? <laughs> Next morning. Robbie Little's on the phone. You fucking smashed it, dude, man. I tell you, she's now a household name here in America. And I said, Robbie, I think we've got a problem, right? Because this is a dark British movie, right? And I've got Elizabeth, who is now a household name. Um, he goes, yeah, that's right. So it ain't dark anymore, right? It's a family movie. I said, it's about heroin. <laughs> I don't care, man. You're going to cut out all that shit with Joss Ackland making love to his stepdaughter and I get rid of all that shit. Just make it nasty, but not that nasty. Uh, okay. Uh, so, total disaster. Anyway, Elizabeth was amazing right. through it and helped me so much. And she... Do you know what? That woman... And I don't know. She gets maligned in the UK sometimes. Let me tell you, man. She's raised $160 million for breast cancer. Really? Right? Recently, yes. Yeah, just yeah. over the last few years, right. you know, with uh, Estee Lauder and going off, giving her time for free, going off and raising money every October month for breast cancer. Mm. She's amazing. She's goddaughter to... Uh, goddaughter? She's godmother to my youngest. Mm. Uh, so that's the only good thing that came out of Mad Dogs. So... Shall I tell you one review? And I never saw the film. No, you shouldn't. No. <laughs> you shouldn't. Uh, so my father used to read this review to me every weekend when I rang him. He said, the review was in The Guardian, and it went, it took Roman Polanski six attempts to make the worst film I've ever seen, Bitter Moon. Give Henry Cole his due, he's succeeded on his first attempt. <laughs> I was about to do this movie with, um, this is relevant, with Michael Caine, right, after Mad Dogs. And there was a problem with the contract. So Mad Dogs came out before I was signed. I've never heard from him again. Yeah. Nothing. But interestingly, I went to Channel 5. I said, Jeff, who was running Channel 5, I said, mate, I'm fucked. You know, my fucking movie's bombed. It's a total disaster. I said, I really want to do this show called Stars and Cars. And he goes, great, we'll have it. Go, go on, we'll help you out. You've got staff who need feeding. You know, we'll do it. How many do you want to do? I said, well, we'll do six. He goes, yeah, great, great. All right, do a budget for me. I go, but I'm going to present it. Now, I said that only because I hated the presenters who I've been directing over the years. Right. I mean, they're just all a fucking nightmare, mm. yeah? So he said, well, we don't want it then. I went, oh, come on, Jeff. He goes, no. Well, why can't you get someone else to do it? I go, because I, th I know the celebs, I know cars, and I was hoping I could do bikes, mm. you know? He goes, no. So anyway, I went, oh, fuck, all right. Uh, then at lunch, that's you and me, then at lunch, in the coffee, I went, Jeff, please, right? I'll make you a Christmas special for free. Right. Right, because I've got all these people doing nothing. Mm. Might as well go down, you know, <laughs> having a good time than sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. He goes, what do you mean? I go, look, I'll make... And if it rates, right, 
give me a series. If it doesn't rate, buy me lunch, and I'll buy lunch now with my LV luncheon vouchers, which is basically all I had. And um, he went, oh, for fuck's sake, all right. So anyway, we made it. Right, Elizabeth helped out again with that, which was just amazing. Anyway, cut a long story short, it rated ran for five years. That was the start of it. That was Channel 5. That was Channel 5, good old Channel 5. And now you're on... How many programmes are you doing at the moment? About 10, aren't you? Yeah, no, I'm presenting... I think it's seven series at the moment. So I'm doing Find It, Fix It, Flog It, which Michelle likes. Yeah, Yeah. my wife. Okay, Uh, so we're doing 30 of them at the moment. We're back with Sammy starting week after next, Shed and Berry, doing 20 of them um, for Quest, um, who are really lovely to us. Uh, We're doing Find It, Fix It. part of the Discovery Group. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, So then we're doing... um, uh, junk and Disorderly, mm-hmm. uh, me and Sammy again, plus a bit of Milliard, plus a bit of Skid. Um, hey, you should come along and do an auto jumble with us. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun! <laughs> Normus but Newark is a right, the good burgers. Is it? Oh, yeah. Right, okay. But it's you never great. actually properly make any money. No, 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 on, on Junk and Disorderly we do. Do you? Yeah, you could bring some tat and you could have your own little trestle. All right, okay. You can if you want, Steve, right, honestly. Okay. The what, people are lovely. We have a great haggle. Yeah, all your detritus that you think is rubbish, yeah. put on there and it'll go. Really? Yeah. Uh, so we're doing. And then what happens with the money then? <clears throat> hey, moving on. <laughs> but the thing is, actually, with Shed and Berry and all that, I buy the items, right? Right. Discovery rang up when we were doing a deal with them. They go, what happens to the items? You know, the cars and bikes that you. That well, you I've got buy. some of them. You've got two. Yeah, actually, tractors. Tractors, I buy tractors. But yeah. I, I actually uh, annoyed Henry because I actually sold a tra- tractor for profit. Yeah. No one's ever done that before. Which you had bought off me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I have to tell you, so Discovery said, oh, well, um, uh, you know, who buys the production? You know, no, I buy it, you know, and we restore it. Yeah. Oh, who do you sell it to? I don't really. I no. kind of keep it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we you do have got sell rather it. a stock, though, haven't you? Yeah, we have a bit of a stash. Um, I'm looking for a new shed. Um, so we're doing, uh, yeah, junk and disorderly. Find it, fix it. Shed and buried. I'm doing um, uh, the motorbike show comes back in August uh, for its eleventh year, um, uh, which is just fantastic. And we're thinking about any ideas of what we should restore this year, um, uh, because the motor Martin to me was the ultimate. Mm. And uh, I don't know, perhaps we do a flat tanker or. I might even do a plastic maggot, CX500. Oh, OK. All you right. know? Um, I don't know. Uh, so we're doing that. I'm doing um, Henry Cole Goes Inside. Yeah. <clears throat> Where, uh, McLaren, <laughs> CCM, Norton, etc. The new Norton, which I think would be very interesting. Which, because um, you, you kind of, uh, you might not put your hand up for this, you're quite matey with Stuart Garner, old yeah. Norton, right? Yeah. And had you known him prior to Norton? No. You know, I'm matey with um, Austin Clues, you know, yeah, I'm matey I'm with, um, you know, Steve at Morgan, you know, I mean, so, I mean, I think my whole metier or, or um, mantra is to promote as much as I can British firms, automotive firms and British engineering. So this show we're doing, Henry Cole goes inside McLaren, Norton, uh, Morgan, right. um, you know, so uh, Aston Martin. I, I think I right, Morgan was visited by the, who was it, went to visit? Yeah. They never make any money ever. They might yeah, have just shut exactly, but they are making Lord money. Lord someone, he's done, yeah. he's done really well. What's it called, Sir, Sir Geoffrey, no. What was he called? That's it. That's it. 
Yeah, that was it. Absolutely. Um, you win the Henry Cole hat. Yeah, do I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That one's really oily. Sam's been wearing it. You know. So that that'll be a lot of fun, though. Really. I mean, because a lot yeah. of the things that you do, I have to imagine that you get a great deal of fun out of actually learning what's going on with it. I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you ever lose that fascination for mechanical stuff. You know, when you're seeing Alan Milliard do something, mm. or Sammy, even though I have no real idea what the fuck he's up to, mm. I'm desperately trying to learn. And the thing is, is my role in the TV is to be that armchair restorer. Mm. Yeah? Mm. Who, I mean, I, if there's cameras there or not, Sammy and I would be going into sheds, yeah. right? And... and we're passionate about it, and so consequently, I'm there to ask the questions that people would be too embarrassed to ask. Yeah. Do you get people ringing you up though? Because I mean, let's face yes. it. I think everyone in this room would all love to walk in a shed and find a lovely yes. machine that you could actually. Get. Yep. But there's not so many of them around now. So how do you? Well, I, I would disagree. Actually, I think. Um, I mean, with Find It, Fix It, Vlog It, for instance, we've got to find 60, 120 sheds. Really. Something like that, and. Um, uh, Shed and Berry got to do You don't just 20... drive around and find a no, shed. No, no, so we have, I've got a team of three researchers full time. Right. And, uh, but also, strangely, a lot of it comes from word of mouth. Does it? We are absolutely committed to every time we go in a shed, firstly, we never show where it is. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. And secondly, the people who we're with have a great time. Right. Right? Yeah. We're not, I mean, you know, we make tea, we have biscuits, we get donuts out. Yeah. They have a really good time. We buy some stuff, mm. yeah? And we fart around and we're just like we are on the telly, right? There's no... We're not okay. hamming up anything. That's just what we're like. And so, consequently, a lot of people do give us other contacts of their mates. They said, oh, well, look, I've told him, oh, we had a real laugh. Give him a bell, Henry. Oh, okay. right. Some people go, no, no, I don't want you in the shed. God's sake, idiot, you know. But others go, understand. yeah, we'd like a cup of scorch with you, lads. Come on. And, and we go in and do it. people in this room have got sheds that they might have... Yeah, so look, please, see me afterwards, you know. Going, yeah, I want rid of all that. As guy. long as... Yeah, as long as we can buy shit. That's it. What? Have you? Oh, I've never been allowed a bike in a... Cons oh, great. Well, that's what it's all about. Oh, that's great. No, I'll, I'll take the blame. I get a lot of people stop me in the street and go, my wife hates you. I go... <laughs> yeah, that's great. Unfinished project. I'm an unfinished project. So your researchers, though, that must be quite awkward. It's cold calling, knocking on no, doors. No, no, it's not cold calling. It's oh. just like um, what we do is flyers. Perhaps you go to Stafford, yeah, okay. and oh. uh, you hand out a few, or perhaps meet a few auctioneers who know a few people who might be doing stuff. And it's all word of mouth. And a huge amount of people contact us directly, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, like I've had two today. One shed full of tractors, yeah. and actually we're, we're we're helping. I might try and get there before you. I'll... Yeah, no, no. <laughs> No, don't you worry, mate. I'll sort you out. <laughs> got a nice. Uh, you're, you're, I got you a nice, nice Alice Chalmers. Right. Um, I think we're actually doing a service to people as well. I mean, uh, dare I say it? There's yeah. quite a lot of bereavement with a lot of yeah. older people having lots of collections, yeah. like me. Yeah. And um, you know, when they pass on and leave the track, the, the son or the daughters, I've uh, uh, got a problem. So you know, we will come along and we'll buy something. And as I always say on the show, which is absolutely true, a fair deal is a good deal. Yeah. Uh, who, Not a who, rip-off deal. Who does the pricing? Deal. Do you do that yourself, yep. do you think? Yep. Yeah. Well, I haggle with Sammy. Mm. Sammy and I go off and have tea and we film it. Okay. But people think, oh, no, no, that's real. Right. You know, we, we really are looking at buying shit, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, but then we'll also advise people, you know, where to sell. 
who to ring, right. whether it's Andy Tiernan for pre-war stuff or whether it's Bonhams to put it in because we think it's good enough or, you know, they don't have to take our advice, but, okay. you know, we're there to help. I've got to tell you a funny thing, though. Hmm. The other day, I'm in this shed in the middle of fucking nowhere hmm. in Norfolk with Simon hmm. doing uh, Find It, Fix It. I look out the window and I say to the geezer, what's that over there? He goes, oh, it's another shed full of furniture and stuff. I go, who's that? Who's that bloke with a hat on there, with a camera crew? He goes, I don't know. I go, it's fucking Drew Pritchard. Are you kidding? I go, what's he doing here? And, and I go, Drew! <laughs> and he goes, fuck Henry! <laughs> and isn't You're it amazing? You both the same shed. Yeah, in all the sheds in all the world. <laughs> and all that. Isn't that just the weirdest? You know? And you had no idea. Then. No idea. Neither of us had. What about the idea. owner, though? He must have had an idea. No, no, because there was the, the straight. It was on an industrial estate. Oh, I see. Right. And and the other owner was the other owner. Right, you know? right, right. Okay. So uh, anyway, yeah. And, and have you ever come across anything massively, you know, ex valuable that you wouldn't ever no. expected? You've never um, come across something, you know, a crusty gold coin. No, I think actually we're doing a metal detecting series. Oh, really? Called Henry Cole, <coughs> oh. Henry Cole's Great British Treasure Hunt. That'll be on in January. In and you're uh, going to have one of them things. And well, I don't, them. right? Because uh, obviously I don't know how to work it, and I keep setting it off because right. I've got steel coat <laughs> toe caps oh, on my right. fucking boots. Um, but uh, it's yeah, it's going to be good. We'll go to Stately Homes, and they've got 48 hours to dig up as much as they can. There's five teams. Yeah, and it's all about historical value and the history of us, this great country of ours, okay. which is difficult to believe sometimes at the moment, but it fucking well is. Yeah, yeah? yeah. we're, we're going to make it that uh, way. We aren't. are. And um, anyway, what are we talking Oh, have I found anything? No. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> but, um, but, but Yes, but, I mean, yes, we have. Oh, my God, yeah. Can I tell you about one thing? <laughs> so we're in this shed uh, uh, down in Dorset, and this guy's got, I mean, like, cars. He's got... You go down a lift under his bungalow and there are motorbikes like you wouldn't believe. All pristine, I imagine. Mint. Right. He's got this purple, and oh, I can't remember what it's called. Sammy obviously knows. It was a purple Buick limo, right. bulletproof limo. Right. Right? And oh, we, we were looking around it. It was pretty mint. You know, it's, it's not purple, it's pink. Right. right? Pink. Right. right? This sort of 50s kind of Cadillac. Yeah. All bulletproof. Yeah, bulletproof glass, whatever. And uh, we said to the geezer, why is it like that? You know, what is it? He goes, I don't know, mate, it's 40 grand if you want it. <laughs> and I go, Sammy, what do you reckon? I mean, what is this? He goes, yeah, it's Argentinian, I think. But I mean, you know, you're welcome to buy it if you want, you know. And we go, I go, Sammy, should we just take a punt? I mean, fuck, it's got to be. He goes, nah, don't think so. And I go, okay, well, you're probably right, mate. You know? Turns out, Right? There were two of these things that were built, right? One of them went to some geezer somewhere, mm. and the other was shipped to Argentina, which was Eva Peron's car. Classic. Yeah. Sammy rings me up and he goes, I think it's fucking Eva Peron's car. <laughs> I go, Yeah. I go, Phone him, phone him. Sold. Was it? Gone. Unbelievable. Another geezer found out before us, and it turned out to be Eva Perron's Did car. It? And it went for telephone numbers. I was going to say, it went in an auction for 100 Yeah, yeah, like, literally, no, I think it was, like, you know, seven figures. Really? Uh, which, obviously, you know, you win some, lose some. But, so I you mean, could do this... Still gutted five years on. <laughs> could you not do this programme, the one that got away, then? Well, you could do that, yeah. Oh. Hey, we could yet make an earner out of it. Mm. Uh, no. Mm. So, 
You've, but what you've never have you come across a famous like Vincent or Bruff or something like that? L lots of that, lots of that. Um, Sammy is an absolute genius at finding stuff. Right. You know, we'll be going through a load of parts, and he goes, "Oh, that's a alley head for a oh blimey, you know, that's a Triumph for a, a GP head, you know." And he he is just incredible at finding stuff. Yes. A lot of sheds we go into, there are Vincent's, there are, um, uh, there was a Flying 8 the other day, um, a lot of bruffs, not a lot, but there's enough right. for us to bid do on. Do those owners know the value, do you think? Or? Well, this is the amazing thing, I don't know about you lot, but I mean, you know, if I don't know the price of something, I just go on eBay and... Uh, yeah, well, that's the, go, the thing, it's so well, easy to find the price of anything now. So, there is no surprises. No. And in a way, perhaps, in the TV world that I live in, that's good, because people are learning more. Yeah, we're not in the business of wanting to rip someone off and no, take. Sure. You know, we're in the business of fair price, and and the way we make our money is that we'll go how much for all of them. Okay, right. do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So Not I'll give lot. you twenty-five grand a lot. Yeah, and um, that's where we'll probably sell all that stuff and keep one bike for free. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So no, that's, sure. That's... And and obviously, you know, with the bruffs and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Sam is the restorer or one of them. There are others, obviously, who we know well. Um, and so, consequently, he knows every single foible about How, anything. Where's Sam's knowledge come from, then? When I was snorting speed, mm. right, and trying to get laid... Is that a triumph? No. Triple. Oh, yeah, right. um, he was sitting in bed, read, this is what he would say, reading a book on carburettors. Okay. Yeah. And he... So there's sort of needles involved. Yeah, obsessed, <laughs> obsessed, and um, I mean, obviously, he's, ha he's had time to be a hippie as well, okay. yeah, um, he's one of the most loveliest, genuine people I've ever met, really, he really is, and that's where he gets his knowledge from, he has this insatiable, do you know what he did prior to restoring Bruffs, right. prior to meeting me, he ran... Um, a department of 30 people developing hydrogen fuel cells for taxis and buses. You're kidding. But he was a hippie, so he lived in a, um, uh, what are they, 4S, what are those, security vans. He lived in a security van in Tesco's car park. Because he wanted to, because he thought he'd go green. Do you know what I mean? And then he'd, he'd, he'd get up, go to the um, Lido that was next door to the Tesco's, have a shower, spruce himself up, put his suit on, go into work. Good God. And then he thought one day, fuck this for a game of soldiers. Right. I'm going to become a hippie and uh, follow my passion. And how did you find him then? Very, very briefly. I got a call from a nutter. Right. Okay, and uh, if he was sitting here, I would call him exactly that. Right. Uh, my dearest, dearest friend, a guy called Mark Upham, who's uh, boss of Bruff Superior. Yeah. Okay. And Mark rang up and he goes, um, Christ. Um, he goes, uh, dear boy, uh, do you fancy um, riding one of my bruff superiors at Bonneville Salt Flats? I went, have you got the right Henry Cole? Right. I just fuffle about, yeah? No, no, dear boy, you can make a, make a show on it. It'd be bloody lovely. I said, well, what's going on? He goes, well, I'm taking you, Alan Cathcart, um, uh, uh, to um, Bonneville Salt Flats, you know, and um, God, I can't remember the, my brain. Do you get that as you're getting mm. older? Mm. Uh, Eric Patterson and Eric, yeah. We're all I want three riders, two bikes, Bonneville Salt Flats, great deal of money. <laughs> what model have, bike was this one? What year? This bike, right, was a.
pre well, 1927 uh, 750 Bruff Superior running on pumped gas. Now that's key at Bonneville, not right. dope. Yeah, or so it's a valuable piece of equipment. Oh yeah. So right, I go. So where is this 750? He goes. It's being scratched built. I go. Right. By who? Oh, a bloody nice chap called Sam Lovegrove. Have you heard of him? I went, no. Um, in Cornwall, Red Ruth. <laughs> yeah. I go, do you really want me to do this, Mark? He goes, oh, yes, dear boy. We'll have a giggle. Anyway, I ring Travel Channel. I go, do you fancy doing this, the ultimate ride? They went, oh, boy. They went, yeah, make three one hours. Happy days. So I go down there and I meet Sammy. Right? There's this hippie in a shed mm. right, with a log fire burning. Coal fire burning sort of whittling away at crankcases and making them out of fucking Christ knows. It was unbelievable. I'm sitting there like... Uh, anyway, so we go to America, to Bonneville. Hey, sorry, are we running out of time? No, no. We go, we, we, we go to Bonneville, right? Salt Flats. We, 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 we base ourselves at Jay Leno's in... Um, yeah. Los Angeles. What an amazing guy he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, forget he's not a celebrity. He's a petrol head. Mm. And my God, has he got... Anyway. We go to Bonneville, right? Okay, I am shitting myself, okay? So Mark goes, now Alan's going to try and break the records, you're going to set one. I go, okay, well that sounds easier. He goes, yeah, now you're going to set one for 750 pumped gas, okay, pre-55, whatever, I can't remember what the fuck it was. Anyway, five hours later, right, or like days later, but five hours waiting in the heat at Bonneville, Right. For the conditions, or...? Yeah, no, you're waiting your turn. Oh, I see, right. Because everyone's going for, you know, <clears throat> pumped gas, 1928, pre... Right, yeah, yeah. The, uh, it seems to me the only record that you can't go for is um, uh, Burt Munro's. Oh, right, so if you right. turn up and go, <clears throat> oh, I want right. to do Burt's, they go, hey, no time, you, better, you better go to scrutineering, man, OK? <laughs> so you go to scrutineering, they go, you can fuck off. You know? <laughs> and then everyone else, oh, come on in, dear boy, have a go. Anyway, so I'm lying on this bike, right? shitting myself. I mean, I'm, I'm, like, I'm lying on it like that, right? Revving it, you know, Sam's going, gentle, gentle, gentle. I'm going, all right, Sammy, all right. And by this time, we've become really close, man. Okay. Something had happened, mm. you know? It was really Bonded lovely. Bonded is the word, I think. Yeah. Bonded. <laughs> and so I'm just sort of, so I'm lying on it. Right, and there's a guy with a fucking great green flag, right? And, and, he's, and he's hovering around the bloke who lets you go, right? And I'm lying there, and I'm absolutely terrified. All these people have given me the advice, you know, do this, do that. You know, Alan Cathcart said, you've got to lie like that and just look like... Don't look ahead, you've got to lie down like... I'm thinking, fuck, I ain't going to do that. I'm just going to look straight ahead. <laughs> I said, to, to calm my nerves, I went, hey, Sammy, do you want to do a TV show with me? Because I thought I'd put the onus on him because he was looking pretty smug. Yeah, he went, what do you mean by that? I said, uh, I want to do this show called Shed and Bury. You and I go into sheds, right? We find shit, we do them up and we flog it. What do you reckon? He goes, God, I have to think about that. <laughs> and I went, well, I better think about this. Yeah? I go, have you got any advice? He went, yeah, just imagine you're going to the shop for some Jaffa cakes, but go quickly. <laughs> I, All right, Sammy. And that was the best advice I had. And it, this geezer comes up right and he goes, you ready? I go, uh, not really. He goes, well, you got to be, man. Okay. Godspeed. And I go, is that it? Do I go now? He goes, anytime you want, man. So off I went. 
and uh, set a record at uh, 98.98 or something or something. Anyway, it's never been broken. And was the stage? Because I thought, I, I thought, I'm lying on this fucking bike, Mark in the pit lane with a pith helmet on, no exaggeration, right? right. I thought, I'm either going to do this and do it well or die. Right. And I'd made a decision, fuck it, right. I'm going to go for it. It's the first time in my life I've thought, I don't care, man. And was I'm it quite stable? Was no, it? fucking hell. So <laughs> I start, off I went, yeah. <laughs> and you could tell the rookies, well, not the rookies, but the people who hadn't listened, like I was a rookie. And you could hear them going, meh, 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 you know. But actually it should be, mmm, mmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you've got a two-mile run-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah? sure. So anyway, off I went, two-mile run-up, and Sammy said, take it up to 4,800 in top and hold it, but be coming to 4,800 as you hit the mile marker, you know, first mile marker. So I did everything that the lad told me, right? Okay, I didn't go 4.9, nothing. 4.8, dead hot. Bang. Hit the mile marker, I'm on it. Looking down at the readout, 115 point something, I think, fucking all right, man. I'm rocking here. Right, and then suddenly... It goes, and Cathcart, it just went straight through my head. Cathcart said to me, you've got to be very careful if you have a shimmy. I well, fuck, it's a shimmy. He goes, it's a tank slapper. And I go, well, you could have called it a tank slapper. Well, I'll drop a cog and whack it open, and hopefully that'll get through it. I mean, that's what I was always told right. to do. Is that Accelerate right? Accelerate through it. Accelerate through it. But when you're on the stop, mm, you can't accelerate through it. Rear brake. And no front brake. Right? Because you don't have a front uh, brake, because in an emergency you'll grab it and you'll be off on the ice, which is mm, salt. Mm. I said, this thing is fucking shaking its head, man. And I'm shouting in my helmet. Luckily, uh, the audio had broken. Yeah? Oh, right, okay. I'm to fucking drop this bike. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Because all I could do, right, was just incrementally roll off. Go like that. Should I do that again? Go like that. Anyway, eventually it clears. I come into um, uh, pre-stage and they go 112 points, something like that. All done. Uh, all done. Anyway, then I've got to go back. So I said, Sammy, I had a bit of a shimmy. He goes, I oh, don't worry, it's fine. He just must have hit a rut. Yeah, exactly. Turn it on. And uh, I said, well, the steering damper doesn't... doesn't really, oh, fuck it, just get... You haven't got time. Get on with it. And so off I went again. I thought, right, this, if I die doing this, well, at least my kids could say, yeah, you know, how did famous, you die? Oh, famous. on the North Circular, mm. yeah, in rush hour, mm. on a BMGS. Mm. No. You know, oh, I was at Bonneville Salt Flats and I fucked it up. Mm. Yeah, that was a much better Rough. story for him, isn't it? Mm? Anyway, I had a misfire, actually, and, and I only did about 94 miles an hour on the way back. Because uh, you're supposed to with a misfire stop. Mm. Oh, I wasn't going to stop. All right. I was and, just but go. the average was good enough to break the record? Average was good to, no, set the, a right record, which, oh. as I said, that was in 13. They haven't, hasn't been beaten did yet. Did Cathcart go faster? I doubt it. I was, the f I, was I think, the fastest run... Mm. But he was the faster record with the two oh. runs. But again, Alan, what a mentor. What a brilliant man who, yeah, I mean, the guy's a legend. I, I, I just learned, hung on his every word, really. And thanks to him, I kind of had the confidence to go and do it. And you know what a shimmy is. Hmm? And you know what a shimmy is. I now know what a shimmy is. And I also have met Sam Lovegrove. And we got ourselves a hit series thanks to him. Yeah, yeah. more work than you can ever, ever imagine. Absolutely, man. Steve, where are you, sir? Um, is he that, tell me, he oh, did I'm tell so me sorry. upper state I was to shut up and you were going to come up here and say a few words and then we were... But I'm, I'm sure so sorry, I've, I've crapped on for hours, I'm so sorry. I'm, I haven't realised. I'm sure oh. there's some... Uh,
questions that would people look but first of all Henry Cole ladies and gentlemen yes. oh, Henry Cole thank very you much so much thank you can I just say uh, he was a legend to me mm. and to actually be on the same stage with him and judge at Salon Privé mm. with him and do TV together is an utter privilege these motorcycle racers they're all just so laid back and humble, but you, McGuinness, Hickman, even even Plater, mm. you, you have something that is unbelievable about bit, you. Bit and of madness. Yeah, it's madness. It but I thank you for that madness because you, need it. you know you need you're, madness, you're don't you? So, sorry, sorry. I'm sure there's some questions in the audience. Who's going to be first? Well, this lady down here, we've had hers, and we're shut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, we could have another. Like have another. We could have another one. Henry, okay, Henry. now all, always the first person is the most difficult to get to. So, oh I'm come ask on, you to pass Joe, my PA could ask a question. I'm sure there's loads of things you'd like to know about. The there, please. Hang on, the mic's going down there, Steve. No, we're okay. Hello. We're okay. All right. Hi. Hi. Um, I think what I'd like to say is thank you so much for what you've done for women bikers with your recent oh, motorbike you. show. Um, I am a member of Curvy Riders, and I'm sure there are quite a few people here that and also so might I. be. I don't know, you're an honorary member. Yeah, we love it, man. I think what I'd like to say, is, or what I'd like to ask you is, where's the best place you've actually ever ridden your motorbike? And I'm talking motorbikes. Oh, OK, so look, obviously I did this series, World's Greatest Bike. Can I just say with the Curvy Riders... I turned up there with them lot. I had the best day out, honestly. You know, in TV, sometimes you have a slog in a day, you know, and you think, oh, God, that was a bit of a hassle and all that. I, I didn't want to leave, man. It just the welcome. And there were a couple of girls there who just joined up that day, and they were being just so looked after. There was this community of kindred spirits. So I've talked to them. You know, next series, we're doing more, OK? Um, but uh, the best place to ride a motorcycle. Uh -uh. I don't know what you think. Oh, you don't tour. We've had this conversation. I'm not a no, uh, New Zealand um, is uh, unbelievable riding. Uh, no, I don't know. Has anyone been to New Zealand to ride? Oh, right, great. Please, if you can. Have you? Have you? Yeah. I thought you weren't touring. Yeah, I didn't go very far. Well, where'd you go? <laughs> I rode around north of Auckland and everything else. I've done tracks, I've raced on the tracks there, but I also toured a bit north of Auckland. I ended up going to a factory, uh, no, a museum that had nothing but, um, not Buicks, another old... Britain? American cars, uh, I can't remember the name. Corvettes? Oh, no, well, we don't get, well, let's thing. not get into that. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, look, so New Zealand, to answer the question, in my humble opinion, I've ridden there many times, it's the most, and the people are great. Route 66 will change your life if you're into Americana and the American pop culture. I've written it three times. I'm about to do it for a fourth time for ITV, OK? And I'm going to write a book on it, right? Route 66. But the book is about the male menopause, OK? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I fucking had one over, the, over COVID, right? I'm still so waiting for puberty. <laughs> It will happen, I promise. <laughs> Ladies, um, another, uh, another just one question. minute, it was another student, question. Studebakers. Studebakers. You got it. Studebakers. 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 Right, yeah. someone just put their hand up. Yes, South sir. Africa right. as well. Nice and easy to get For to. adventure riding. You. There you go. Thank you. Sorry, you don't have to join us. You can, no, no, you no, can no. if you want, mate, honestly. <laughs> I'll help you on the post. Uh, gentlemen, you're, you're both inspirational. Um, Mr. Cole, your, your programmes have helped me maintain a grip on what I term my sanity throughout the lockdown. Thank you, um, man. Including the Thank one you. with uh, Mr. Parrish on your Throxton, which coincidentally made me go out and buy one. 
Um, <laughs> wonderful bikes. But my question to you, Mr. Cole, is was there something that made you want to go from behind the camera to in front of it? Yeah, money. <laughs> um, very briefly, no, it wasn't... It, TV presenters, of which some are dear friends, the majority... There was one TV presenter, and I'm not going to mention her name. I was directing. I'm in the middle of a fucking field in Suffolk. Mm -hmm. You said, Henry, I'd have grilled sea bass, and they're giving me a sandwich. Well, I didn't know we'd be in the field. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. know, if we were in a town, I could probably have sorted it out, mm -hmm. you know? Well, I'm just not going to work. Well, eventually she did. Um, uh, another one in Norway. I'm not getting out. What do you mean you're not getting out? You're doing a piece of camera. No, no. W what do you mean? It, it was far too cold. My makeup will crack. <laughs> uh, so, both male and female, um, uh, I directed for 15, 20 years, you know, um, other presenters, some of which incredibly famous. And I just had a bad time most of the time, you know. And when my whole world caved in because that movie failed, um, I thought, well, fuck it, I've got nothing to lose here. So I went to see my mate Jeff and I told the story and that's how it happened. And then my key whole thing was to get motorcycling on TV. You know, and it's been a real hard struggle to do that, you know, uh, through World's Greatest Motorcycle Rides with Travel and then Katie Thorogood, who does the repair shop now, but Katie, you know, really helped me to get it away with ITV. Uh, she said it'd never rate. We're 11 years later and it rates better every year. Mm. Um, and uh, that's because of our community of motorcyclists who, who enjoy that. But that was the reason I wanted to get biking on TV. I didn't give a shit, yeah? Uh, I just really desperately needed the money as well. And no one was going to hire me as a movie director after Mad Dog. <laughs> Marvellous. Another, another question, anyone? Be brave. Oh, right, right at the back. That's the one. Yeah. Thank you for that, sir. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I'll be with you for breakfast, OK? Yeah. All right. Mm. Bear with me, I'm getting old. But it's a fickle thing, mate, you know. you just got to give it a go, I think, you know. And, Where are we? And it was... Uh, that gentleman. It was end, that, okay. you know. Just really go, passionate sir. about it. I had nothing to lose because I was totally fucking scared. Go for it. So, so Mr Cole, I'm, I'm the one that took your photograph uh, earlier this evening. Oh, yes. Um, it's now on the front page of you... the... Um... <laughs> yeah. You, of you Club prom... magazine. Was that the one? You promised earlier you wouldn't use the C word. I haven't. I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts on Moto E and electric motorcycles going oh, forward? Oh, God. <laughs> um, let's just do a straw poll before I have a slight rant. Um, anyone got an electric bike? Well, I don't think I need to answer it, do I? <laughs> hey, look, electric is coming. It's the future, whether we like it or not. I personally don't like it. But I think we have to understand that it will come uh, and it will affect us all. I'm a member of the historic, I think it's Classic Car Association or whatever, which is a group of us, classic vehicles, who um, are desperately wanting this and only this to happen. Electric is coming. I don't mind it coming as long as it doesn't preclude us having our passion and love not taken away from us, uh, which is of the, uh, you know, uh, petrol engine or whatever it may be. And, and um, I rode the uh, Harley Livewire, right, 
um, uh, in the Peak District, no, uh, Lake District, about three or four months ago. It's quite an unbelievable machine. An unbelievable machine. I don't know about you. Have you ridden them, Steve? I've ridden some of the race bikes, yeah. They, they're, oh, they're God. incredibly talky, uh, but they're as boring as batshit. Of course. It's, <laughs> it's it. There's no character. There's no real noise. They say you can get a noise out of it, but it's... Um, there's no noise. I've got to tell you, I rode a Zero bike. Great bike. But at 80, I could just hear a... <laughs> I thought it was Milliard behind, but it wasn't. <laughs> Um, so, my answer to the question is, best of luck, great stuff. If it comes between me and my petrol engine motorcycle, I will be very fucked off. Mm. 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 I don't think it will, and I think everyone... I hope it won't. Everyone will let us carry on. We've got another question. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, Christ. OK, great. We're yeah. just spinning it out until another yeah, one no, turned no. up. <laughs> right, sir. The microphone is yours. Thank you. Thank you. While we're on the future of vehicles with the electric bike and the uptake of automatic cars, is there going to be an uptake of automatic motorcycles? Well, there is. What do you reckon? Um, well, to a certain extent, there is, isn't there? Because uh, Honda make one. Um, yes. I have a T-Max scooter, which is automatic. It's got a 550cc engine. It does 110 miles an hour. So it's basically a motorcycle. Um, and... I've yeah, got a C50 I, I, Cub, is that anything? A what, sorry? C50 Cub, Honda? They, they're automatic. Step yeah, I mean, through? A lot, a lot of the sort of smaller ones are, uh, but Honda do make something like an NT, I don't know what it yeah. is. But it's, it's they used to make that, didn't they make that Hondamatic, that dream, Hondamatic dream? Yeah. Something like that? Um, uh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. All I know, just for me, right, is that, is that when I started driving a car, I was terrified of using the gears, right? I could basically steer a car, but using the gears, I thought I was be an absolute nightmare. Now, obviously, in a car or a motorcycle, the best fun is changing gear, most especially on a motorcycle. So automatics may well take over the easy way of life, but I will always be wanting... Yeah, I think, like, just my opinion is, yeah, an automatic, actually, if you get it from A to B and you want to yeah. do whatever you want to do, then it's fine. But if you want to have fun, you do need some gears. Got to have some because, gears. I mean, man. otherwise, how are you going to miss them? Yeah, well... <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. So I, I think there'll be automatic motorcycles more and more. We've got more a subsequent question from this gentleman. Uh, I, I, uh, I should have been more clear. Uh, I didn't right. mean the gears. I meant oh. where the car drives itself. Oh, man. Honestly, I'll be dead by then, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you imagine? Oh, no. Automatic what, motorcycle. Can you imagine that? Well, actually, You're just sitting there like that. Oh, where I am I going, man? You might know this, but uh, I can assure you that um, Peko Bagnaya, that started the Grand Prix in Valencia last week and went on to win it, didn't win the championship. He would have only have used the clutch to set off. That's everything it. else. Really? At that point on, you do not even think about the clutch. They don't even have a neutral. You have to press a button. So there's no, like, one down, one up, five down, or whatever. It's got six gears in it. There's no neutral in there whatsoever. You have to press a button. It's got a blipper on it. It's got the uh, quick shifter system, plus it's got the... Um, there's another name for it. Basically, two gears are engaged at the same time. So there's literally, it's seamless all the way through. So it's all, ostensibly, it's an automatic gearbox. So, but it has to be a manual gearbox to pass the FIM rules. But once that clutch has been dropped, everything else is just done by hitting the lever up Holy and down. Moly. And it's pretty much seamless all the way through. When you want to stop, you have to press a special button to get neutral. Do you really? Right, we've got That's another it. question. Yeah, 
near the back. Driverless cars terrify me. That deals the question, and I'm sure there's a future. Sorry, Formula One's same. They they run dual dual clutch system. Yeah. Do they? Right, we've got another question here, gentlemen. Um, you mentioned earlier that you knew Stuart Gardner from uh, yeah. Norton. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you had something to do with the, yeah. the street. You designed yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, very, very sad story. Yes. What's your What's your take on on how he conducted himself and how oh, it's happened? God. If it's do you know what? I mean, people ask me this, and I, and and um. Okay, when I first met Stuart, when he'd first bought Norton, uh, I thought, what a lovely geezer. And, um, you know, he's got passion for British motorcycling, and uh, I can't see who asked the question. But... All right, you, mate. Um, uh, and I thought, well, look, fantastic, you know. And we, as an organisation, first as a company, and secondly, obviously, uh, as a TV programme, uh, are there to help promote and incentivise British manufacturers, whether it's CCM, whether it's Triumph, whether it's Bruff, Market Bruff, whoever it may be. And so I got involved to a degree with obviously ringing them up and, you know, going to see them, see how they're getting on, making features, going to the TT with them and all that kind of stuff. Little obviously did I know that there was shit going on, yeah? Um, to the point where uh, I bought a bike off him. This is what it all culminated in. And we were like, hey, Stuart, you all right, mate? Yeah, Henry, you're okay, son. You know what I mean? We were, we were what do you call them, business mates, I suppose. Do you know what I mean? I didn't really know much about the geezer, but I knew that he was um, a nice guy and we were wheeling and dealing and that's all good. And then I said, I want to do a bike for the motorbike show, right? Uh, which was, it turned out to be, the Norton Street, yeah? And so I went and bought the bike from him, right? Because I'd heard stories, a lot of them, about, you know, bikes coming back in and not coming back out again. And, well, we've all heard it, yeah? And so I bought a bike from him. And uh, Skid and I uh, had this challenge. We set ourselves that you couldn't change the frame of it or anything like that uh, because then you'd have to re-homologate it. Uh, so we're going to create a bike that we thought was better than the commando that he had. Or, or not better, but it was... Uh, Bespokeish. Yeah, kind of thing. But we're doing it for us, yeah? So we genuinely did it for us, took it up, pulled the cloth off it, and he went mad for it, yeah? After telling us that he won't like it and please, you know, understand that I will say the truth and all that, he went for it massive. So he rang me... About three weeks later, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but anyway, um, he rang me about three weeks later. He said, uh, "Can we make 50 of them? You know, and 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 you know, put them into production." I went, "Yeah, sure, all right." I said, uh, "What are you going to pay me?" He goes, "I don't know." I said, "What about a grand a bike, and you can build them?" He goes, "All right, I went, fine. When are we going to launch it? November it was. This is 2018, I think. 19. I've lost count with COVID." Anyway, so I told Skid and he was well happy and they said, well, they're going to manufacture it. So we sent our prototype up, which they copied, etc. So that was it for us, yeah. Until uh, I rang him and said, are we launching it next week? He goes, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, Henry. Um, uh, we're not. I went, oh, okay, mate. All right. He says, because I've sold them. I went, well, all of them, 50 of them. He goes, yeah, I sold them all in three weeks or whatever it was. Checks in the post. I said, can I invoice you? He said, yeah. Didn't get penny one. So, you know, but we didn't actually have any direct costs, okay? So we lost 50 grand in the deal, but the bottom line is, is that there are a lot of suppliers out there who lost a shitload, mm. yeah, firstly. Secondly, 
whatever went on with the pension stuff, I don't think any of his fucking employees knew what was going on, let alone us lot, right? Um, and thirdly, uh, which perhaps on the positive side of things is that the new incumbent of Norton have, have committed to, I'm sure I'm not talking out of line here, to honour everyone's deposit. I don't know whether there's No, I think here. what they've said they... is if you take your bike back, you can buy a new one, like, for half the price or something like that. They've done a deal where oh, really? you could actually buy a new one for 20 grand, it should be 40 or something like that, isn't it? Oh, is it? I, I, I don't know. Some, yeah, is it? Have you got one? Oh, right, okay. Yeah, mate, I mean, I've got one. Obviously, I've got the street, you know. That. I wasn't suggesting you had to do with it. No, no, I'm just telling you exactly what I had to do with it. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't, there are no... Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we were all, I knew Stuart, and, and I think we were all quite shocked by... Yeah. I, we knew he was ducking and diving a bit, but... Absolutely, I man, he was, you know... Is he going to prison now? Fuck, I don't know. I, I heard from someone, James, I think, who um, said that there was a court case coming. All I know is I used to do it in front of him. I used to shake him by the hand and I'd go, one, two, three, fuck, I've still got him. Mm. <laughs> I'd, do, I'd do that with him. But he was one of those, you know, should we try and very think positive, just very, very briefly? Sorry, Steve, Very plausible, wasn't he? But he was very plausible. And actually, what he, his legacy has been a nightmare, okay, for a lot of people. And, and that is disgraceful. The flip side is that he, he bequeathed, or whatever you care to call it, you know, a brand that is now going to be yeah. nurtured by TVS or whatever they're called. Mm. And there's great investment. And shit, man, there's a lot of people getting employed, British craftsmen and women. And to me, uh, that is, there's got to be some shining light out yeah. of that black cloud. Mm. You know, and, and for me, we're doing a whole one-hour film on the new Norton, yeah? Okay, so we're not interested in the past, we're interested in the future, we're interested in great British engineering, of which those bikes will be, once they've sorted them out properly, amazing things. Mm. Um, I mentioned earlier in my introduction uh, about we'd punch well above our weight, and I think it's just <laughs> worth reminding ourselves of the motorcycle legends that we've had here. Oh, yeah. Already, John Surtees. Jim Redmond, Jamie Whitten, John McGuinness, Fast Freddie Spencer, Shaky Byrne, <laughs> Phil Reed, oh. Charlie Cox. Yeah. Not exactly a legend, but a legend in his own he right. Is, yeah. Mick okay. Grant, Carl Fogarty, Maria Costello, and wow. of course, Agostini. Wow. Um, the story, and indulge me for a moment, the Agostini story goes. I'd asked Steve to host the evening with me. We'd forgotten to turn the ticket machine off. Um, we exceeded the 250 limit in here to some 350, so we had to decamp over to Mercedes-Benz World. Um, Ago was with us all afternoon, super guy, totally laid back. Took his shoes off and said his feet were aching at one point. <laughs> so I welcomed Steve and Ago on stage and I'll let Steve tell the story. Uh, yeah, well, I have to say, it was a great honour for me. I, I'd got to know Giacomo Agostini when I was racing, because his career was put towards the end. 
um, and mine was just starting out. And I started off when I first met him, and he had no idea who I was. It was at the Belgium Grand Prix Spa. I was on an RG500, uh, teammates of Barry Sheen, my first year doing Grand Prix. Ago had won 15 World Championships when <laughs> was on a Yamaha. And I'll never forget, I'm slipstreaming Giacomo Agostini, and I think, I cannot believe this, a poster on the wall of Agostini. And I got beside him, and, and I looked across, and then he came back and got beside me. And about the third attempt, I'm looking across, and he's looking back at me, and I'm thinking, I cannot believe this. I am now beside Giacomo Agostini. <laughs> and he's looking back going, who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we actually became, <laughs> became friends after that. And this particular evening, and I, I didn't know Ago that well, but we'd been mates and, in the paddock and everything else. And I sort of blasted into the whole night and a little nervous, I have to say. And yeah. I looked at Giacomo as you would be sat there and I said... Giacomo, I, can't, I said, I raced in the 70s and 80s, which was great, but you were the 60s and 70s, and it must have been sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And he just went quiet, didn't he? He just yeah. sat back. And it, it felt like five minutes, but it was probably 45 seconds, and he just went, just the sex. <laughs> <laughs> it was, the timing oh, was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> it, it was brilliant. But we had a br brilliant night. Oh, it was Time just so was good. Brilliant. And uh, he is a Fantastic. proper, yeah. proper man. Yeah. And I finish up, the evening's over, and I'm sitting in Mercedes-Benz foyer with probably the greatest motorcyclist, and he's talking about buying houses in England. Mm. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But a yeah. lovely man. Anyway, we, yeah. uh, we digress. Any more questions, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. Can, can I just say, while we're thinking about it, is that I was at a thing with John McGuinness the other day, and I stupidly, right, he egged me on, that I've agreed to go on the back of him round the TT circuit. <laughs> you must be mad. <laughs> if I was you, oh I'd, I'd, I'd dig out a bit of that flipping heroin if I was... <laughs> <laughs> well, I just go on this vibe that John won't stuff it. No, no, I mean? no, he, he won't. won't. No, he's a coward. And I love the geezer. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. But you'll be there in I'll May, there, won't you, mate? Yeah, hopefully there. I'll, I'll be, be there, there with yeah. bells watching, actually. I'll, be, I'll, I'll probably smell you at the bottom of the Oh, you will? <laughs> yeah. I'll be practising my grip. Yeah, I'll be, we'll get a whiff of you at Bray Hill. <laughs> you will, mate. I'll tell Ladies you. Ladies and gentlemen, before we close, I have one thing to say. Um, I've been running these talks for seven years now with a fantastic team backing me up. We've had a 140 events like this. Wow. And believe it or not, we've had 17,000 people through the door, wow. members and, uh, and guests. And we've grossed over £100,000 for the museum. Wow. wow. I think a round of applause for... But, um, uh, and I would just like to say, Steve, it's been a long time... You haven't told him what I'm doing. I, no, I haven't told him. <laughs> He's about it's to. Been, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you. And with you. Thank you very much. And Steve, we've just really... I mean, we have met before, haven't we? But I, uh, just, many years ago. Yeah, crime, won't crime Watch, it. was it? Crime Watch. <laughs> <laughs> let me finish, let me finish. Sorry, anyway, sorry. anyway <clears throat> as Daniel Craig said, oh, yeah. I think it's the right time to leave and move on. So I'm uh, going to hand over to someone equally important and uh, professional in doing this. The machine is built. It just needs to be well-oiled. My last talk will be with Neil Trundle, the ex-McLaren Senna mechanic, uh, on December the 9th. So I'd love to see as many people here as possible. So thank you, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, Steve. But... Thank you, Steve. But before we, but before, before we finish tonight, 
Um, and Henry, you can't I'm, grind it up? No, I'm going to... Or, or inject it? I'm going to give you this. This is an original piece of no. Brooklyn's track. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I'm going to steal his words now. He's got a bigger piece. Yeah. Have you? Have you? Always have had. Yeah. <laughs> Henry Cole, this is your life. <laughs> hey! Thank you so much, there Steve. You go, mate. Oh, mate. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, man. That, nice, isn't it? that, you'll, you'll see. That'll be on the studio wall on the shelf. Well, I yeah. hope so. It yeah. will be. It absolutely all will right. be. And, and it can is I genuine. thank you all for turning up and listening to this drivel? I can't thank you enough. And uh, remember, we're all a worldwide community of kindred spirits. Let's keep biking, man. Don't tell too many people about it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Henry Cole. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, the, ex the excitement is not over yet. We've got the raffle. <laughs>